Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Along my co-host, Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlereth, uh, producing the show. Little Millennial Ben doing a great job. Want to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Superbook. For America's best bet, you can trust Superbook. Check them out at Superbook.com. Mike, how are you, my friend? I am good. I am excited. Football is back. We're into the preseason, and we've got all kinds of of great storylines. Uh, I know the Cowboys debuted on Hard Knocks. Right, that was fun to did watch. You, did you watch? Watch. I haven't watched the first one yet. I'll get caught up very quickly. Don't worry. But I just thought it was hilarious. Talk about uh, unintended consequences, right? Uh-huh. I think Cowboys Twitter was trying to do the right thing, but in the meantime, they basically lit a match. For panic all across cowboy country by saying, hey, just want to let you know, no big deal, but Dak Prescott's going to have another MRI next week. Nothing to see here. Right, yeah, and he's having it on his arm, right? His, his, his shoulder. shoulder, right? This mysterious shoulder injury he has. Um, and, you know, and, and it's interesting because you always, you always want to make sure there's no structural damage. But I think the other thing is, is you're so geeked up after a year off rehabbing an injury and doing all that stuff, like... Every guy goes through camp, um, and the quarterbacks always have, you know, they go through a dead arm period where their arm just is feels. It's sore. It's hurt. You're ripping balls, and you feel great coming out, especially when you've been off for a while. And there's just a difference between ripping balls and shorts and a T-shirt when there's no pressure around you and you're playing catch with your buddies, and then that little extra why you're practicing, you know, that little extra umph you put behind it. So hopefully it's just dead arm syndrome. We always used to, when I was here in Denver, you know, we always used to, you bring in a camp arm, you bring in a couple of bodies, and, and you say, hey, man, we're going to take these throws, like in individual, take these off our quarterbacks, like all the little swing passes, all the little things you do. Hey, you know, let's get the camp arms in there. None of you guys, hey, we just want you to know, that we really appreciate your guys' participation in camp. None of you guys have a chance at making this football team. But what we're going to have you do is we're going to have you throw some balls around here, and then uh, then we're going to cut you unceremoniously. Hey, look at this as the opening uh, steps of your future career as a coach. Right, your your journey. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> right? like right? The best thing I can say about this guy is going to be a great coach someday. <laughs> that means you're not good. <laughs> but you really are smart. So, you'll be a great coach someday. So, I you know, hopefully it's it's much ado about nothing, but the way you stated it on Twitter, nothing to see here. Don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> you know, but yeah, Zach's got to go get an MR. Zach's got to go get an MRI. So I, you know, again, it's it's wording and and sometimes the Twitter departments, um, you know, they're they're they're, I guess they're they're manned or or they're they're the people, the personnel in there are, you know, they're it's their job. They're social media people, That's right? Their job. They want clicks. They want to, right. you know, what and 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 I love some of them. I love the grief that they give other teams and stuff. You know, it's always funny when you get some. Some guy who's uh, or some gal who's into the social media thing, you know, to to create to stir things up a little bit. You're you're creating, you know, you're creating issues that the players have to go out there that you, like you're writing checks that you don't have to cash, right? Right, you're right, right. Checks that other people have to cash. So you know, there's a part of that. I'm glad that it wasn't around in my day because there's part of that that would really piss me off. So you got the the one instance of a quarterback where it's hey, nothing to see here. Don't worry about it, but there might be more. Then you got the case of the Colts, 
where it was all gloom and doom and it looked like all kinds of red flags. And now they're talking about Carson Wentz and and Quentin Nelson uh, being able to be back and ready by opening day when the thought was, hey, maybe they, they could miss multiple months. Yeah. With these uh, feats injuries. Well, well yeah. Well, feats is the correct feetses feetses is the correct medical the, term. Yeah. Sorry. The feats. Um, yeah. What was the, uh, it was, it, I, I mean, the window they gave was ridiculous to me, right? The, the doctors gave, hey, uh, five to 12 weeks. I, I, I was like, what, is, are they repairing a fridge or is somebody coming back from an injury? <laughs> right. right. Like, you know, you have a, the appliance company, when you have to get your fridge or your dishwasher fixed, they're like, yeah, we'll be there between 12 and 6, you know? Oh, I hate that. And you're, and then you're just stuck to the house all right. day. Exactly. And then you're like, oh, shoot, I got to run out. I got to run and do this one quick errand. Right. You come back, and you're like, there's a note on your door. Right. Like, no! <laughs> no! You know, like, right? Isn't that what happens yes. to you? Yes, oh, inevitably. Yeah, we have we have a, we have one of those today. As a matter of fact, we have one of those today, and I, I think the the window was uh, ten to two. We'll be there between ten and two, right? Now you're just stuck to the house. Yeah, I can't 10 move. Ten to two, hate that. But five to twelve. I mean, like, can we not narrow it down a little bit? Uh, that one, that one was always surprised me because most every time you hear a window, it's always two to four weeks, four to six. Six to eight. Yeah. You know, when I heard five to 12, I was like, five to 12. Right. Nobody goes five. Pin it by down. the way, who starts with an odd number? You just said it four to six, two to four, four to six, six to eight. Nobody goes five to 12. If you're going to go that bit, you go six to 12 or four to 12. Why would you start with an odd number? I find that curious, Mike. I find that very curious. <laughs> some kind of conspiracy. There is there, right? some kind of conspiracy here from that doctor. Five what? to twelve doctors are anti-vax doctors. <laughs> oh, jeez. I believe. Oh, I be- my. Okay, <laughs> don't bring me down. <laughs> That's your battle, man. And believe me, it's entertaining to watch. But I'll let you fight that one on your own. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> that I'm one's good. on your own. I'm, I'm off it. But it's great news for the Colts. Mm-hmm. Great news for the Colts. And you look at Carson Wentz trying to get his career back. Here's just another setback. And, I mean, let's face it. He was awful last year. But the year he played in 2017, before he tore his ACL, the year he played under Frank Reich, who is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, but was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia in 2017, Carson Wentz was number one in touchdown throws. He was number one in the least amount of interceptions. I think he was number one in um, in QBR, but he was he was having it. Mike, you remember he was having an MVP, MVP. quality oh, season. Oh, absolutely! And so that's the hope that you get back with Frank Wright. My my biggest issue though is at what like at what point like being cleared to play and being ready to play <laughs> to me are two entirely different things. I've been cleared to play early. Was I truly ready to play? No, but that's a sacrifice you were willing to make with an oft-injured guard. You can't do that with a quarterback. You know, you, it's funny you say that, the whole cleared to play, but yet mentally ready to play. I mean, are we seeing that in Cincinnati with, with Joe Burrow right now, who acknowledges that, you know, as he comes back from ACL injury, that, you know, he's not quite where he needs to be confidence-wise. Yeah, and and you know what? You can't get that back 
you know, you, you hear players say it all the time. I just want the quarterbacks say this all the time. I just want to get that first hit, like mm-hmm. get hit. Um, you really can't get that confidence back until you kind of go through the fire, so to speak. And that's really scary to do. You know, I've probably told you this story before, but it, it, it it's worth repeating. There was a guy by the name of Darren Bragg, played for a long time in the big leagues. You remember him? Good player. Good player. Good, solid player. When I was playing for the Broncos, I used to take my son to Tucson for Rocky's training camp. Take my son and a buddy, and we'd go and just hang out for a few days, right? It was cool. It was fun. And I'm in the Rockies clubhouse in Tucson, doinking around, talking to some guys that I know, you know, just bouncing around. Clint Hurdle's a buddy. Um, He was there at the time. I think he was the hitting coach at the time. But, you know, just kind of bouncing around doing that and introducing, uh, you know, my son and and uh, just kind of showing him big league baseball. You know, Todd Helton was there. Just talking to the guys, right? Larry Walker and all the guys. And um, Darren Bragg came up to me, and he was new with the Rockies at the time. And he says, he goes, hey, uh, you might have asked you. Or, no, he comes up and he introduces himself, and we're just talking. And I'm like, I know that he was coming off an ACL. And I'm like, how you doing, man? How's, you know, how's like, my typical, how's your health? How's it, how's it going, guy? You know, you're right, right. <laughs> yeah. You hey, good? You healthy? How you feeling? You healthy? What's going on? <laughs> Anyhow, so I basically having that, uh, you know, that, that just surface conversation. And he said to me something that, that resonated with me. It, he said, I'm just not quite 100%. I'm not quite there yet. And that was what he told me. And so then it all said it became deeper because I, I, like, I felt like I had an opportunity to almost mentor the guy, right? And I didn't know him. It was the first time I ever met him. And I said, can I give you a piece of advice? And he's like, sure. And I said, you'll never be 100%. You'll never, ever be what you once were. You're forever altered. Now, some guys are blessed enough to be better than they were. But most of us are never the same. It's never quite right. It never feels right. But structurally, it's healthy enough for you to be cleared to play, and it's good enough for you still to be great. It may be 80% of what you once were, but you can still play at a really high level. And so until you accept the fact that you're never going to be right, you're never going to be 100%. You'll, I'm not quite 100% yourself right out of baseball. That's what I told him. And I go, so at some point you got to go establish what my new 100% is. It's 88% of what it used to be. What, you know, whatever the number you want to establish it at. But you have to be able to mentally like, jump over that hurdle. So you, so you think being able to get over it mentally, you get over it easier knowing you're not? Sure, what you, you once were, as opposed to thinking that you are. I, I no, would no, think no, it'd no. be easier to think I'm back stronger than ever. That would help me get over uh-huh. that mental hurdle easier. I think here's the here, the point is, is that you never quite feel the same. It's forever altered. So if you wait until you feel the same, it's always in the back of your mind. It's always kind of hanging over your head, going, "Hey, I'm not quite a hundred percent yet." Hey, uh, listen. I'm not quite what I used to be. Hey, you might not want to try that because you can't shake that guy anymore. Hey, and my thing is, screw you. 
this is what my new 100% is, and I can still whip your butt playing at this level. And until you accept that, now, now I'm not saying that you, you may, you may actually get to that point at some point, right? But you got to go out and play at 80, 88, 85, 84, at 92 percent of what you used to be, and you got to know it's plenty good enough to perform at a Pro Bowl level or All Pro level or whatever. And until you cross that hurdle, so the end of the story is, I don't know, a dozen years later. Dozen more. I'm at the in the the halls of ESPN. I'm a young analyst. I'm doing some nighttime radio. I just did a sports center hit. I walk through the halls. All of a sudden, some guy stopped me. I didn't even recognize him. He goes, "Hey, hey, 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 Mark." I'm like, yeah, you know, I know you don't know me well if you call me Mark, right? And he goes, "Hey, man, um, it's Darren Bragg. I used to play for the Rockies." Oh yeah, I remember. How you doing? And he goes, "I want to thank you." He goes. You saved my career. Mm. Yeah, that piece of advice you gave me gave me the like put me in a mental state to say, man, I got to quit worrying about this. I just got to go out and play. Go go, and he goes, anyway, instantly flipped the switch, and in, and he made the team. And then he went on to play for the Reds and a couple other teams. Yeah, you know, he had a good solid really decade good, plus career. Right? Yeah, but so my my the whole point to this is for Joe Burrow, you got to get out and play. But you got to just reestablish kind of this is what my 100% is. And I move forward now. And I think it goes for like any walk of life, man. When you've had setbacks that way, you, you, especially in sports, you, you've got to be able to do that. All right. Quick reset here as we uh, take this opportunity to uh, remind everybody what we yeah. uh, we do here every week, which is awesome. Yeah. With ab- some great help. Absolutely. Great help from folks like uh, Superbook for uh, all your uh, sports betting needs. Uh, the great folks at Superbook, America's Best Bet. Check them out, superbook.com. Download the app. So as we uh, get ready for the season, so is, did I read this right? The NFL is once again looking to crack down on taunting? Yes. Oh, really? Does that really bother you, or is it faux? Like, is it faux bothering? Does taunting bother me, or does the crackdown on taunting? The crackdown on taunting bother because I've I've got a lot of people out there like, oh my gosh, this this the NFL wanting to get rid of celebrations, step on the players' creativity. It's all it's you know I I mean I like to me there's uh, there's a bit of faux outrage in that, but does it really bother you or ah? Yeah, I mean, it, it does bother me that they're looking at crack. I, I, you know, taunting, I guess, I don't know. Maybe it's like pornography. You just know it when you see it. I mean, I can, I can, I can tell at those moments where it's over the top. And like, dude, what are you doing? Right? You know, right. I mean, and, and for those moments, I, I'm all for throwing the flag. But it, it, it seems like they, they, they try to generalize it so much that it ends up being ultimately the whole idea of it, the whole mission of it tends to be watered down because you end up throwing flags and penalizing guys for for, for the most worthless, meaningless taunts, if you even can call them taunts. But they get penalized nonetheless. Right. Well, they're going to crack down on it. Um, I th- And I understand, from my perspective, I understand why. I mean, I, I went to the Fox seminar a week ago or so, two weeks ago. and Seminar or summit? Oh, yeah, the Summit, sorry. Summit sounds so much more impressive. Yeah, I went to the Fox Summit. Thank you. Um, we do things that seminars just can't it's do. It's next level. It's next level. Yeah, there is, like, there's a, a meeting 
and then there's uh, I don't know what the the levels would be, but right. it would be like the meeting would be kind of probably low. I, meeting would be the lowest. Then mm-hmm. maybe like a presentation. The, yeah, and then seminar, seminar, and then summit. Summit, summit is like that's at the top of the mountain. That's like the where the secret stuff goes on. Yeah, the, yeah, that's the maybe even there's a conference you could throw in there. Oh, I mean, conference would be seminar, conference, summit. summit. Yeah, that's Illuminati stuff, yeah. right? What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what are we talking about? New York, Anyhow, London, Paris. Yeah. Uh, all right, I like it. A little pop, pop music. <laughs> Talk about. Mm. Um, yeah, I, you know, so I was at the Fox Summit. There you go. And, and we went over, you know, these rules. And, and I get, you know, I get that it feels a little bit of, um, you know, being sent to the principal's office for rolling your eyes type of thing, right? It's right. like, come on. Like, right. really, I'm going to, I'm here at the prison. But, you st- you start thinking about the way the league the the competitors that you have in pro sports. I mean, you don't get to professional sports by you know not being uber competitive, right? And I think the issue that they have really goes back to frontier justice. There's a frontier justice aspect of this league that is real. And you know it's interesting cuz I had forgotten about it. Tampa Bay played Kansas City in the regular season. Tyreek Hill caught one over the top, and as he's going to the end zone, like he's given, he's like like two deuces or whatever, like in in the in the face of the safety Antoine Winfield Jr. And you know, there's a little. I mean, it's it clearly it's taunting a player, right? Did you know in the Super Bowl late in the game when Antoine Winfield Jr. intercepted a ball in the end zone. He ran over to Tyreek Hill to give him the same little signal. How many months later? Right? And then, you know, there's always some pushing and shoving that that's created, right? And so I think one of the issues for the league was we don't want the frontier justice aspect of this league. We don't want players taking matters into their own hands. The other thing is, man, it's been a tough couple of years, right? especially last year without fans. We want to welcome fans back. We we want to celebrate the game. We want to celebrate fandom. We want to celebrate with our own teammates, but we don't want the distraction of that. As we as we try to dig our way out of a pandemic. And you know, they just the Ravens just put a, a mask order in place, right? It was, "Hey everybody, it's going to be football as usual." Right? We're going to go now they're having, and the Ravens play in an outdoor stadium. Yep. We're having mask mandates put in place for Ravens games. So I think a lot of it is at the Fox Summit, it's the year of the fan. And welcoming fans back. And it was it was interesting for me and probably for most TV viewers. It didn't really, like, I didn't really notice it. I was in an empty stadium calling a game, but I had the, I had the, you know, the sounds of, past years in my headphones and so it sounded real i think on tv the the guys who who do the audio the mix minus audio and do all that stuff i think they did a tremendous job i I give you guys credit because by the end of the season midway through the season i tune in on nfl sunday and you forget right i I I forgot totally forgot but the tv product was what i was used to right but for the players and the coaches, 
And for you guys doing yeah. the games. Yeah, it was real. It was really different. Yeah. And for the fan base, you know, not to be there. So they don't want anything to deter from the greatness of this game. And, you know. But don't you think, Mark, by calling taunting pennies, all you're going to do is draw more attention to it? Um, rather than just letting it go? Yeah, but, but yes. But if if you get players to not so much put your finger in the face of your opponent but to turn and celebrate with your team, it gives you as a fan something to celebrate with them. I, you know, it, it's interesting, Mike, and this is going to this is going to probably sound a little bit Pollyannish to a degree. Um, but football is so important to the fabric of our nation, and you can look at me and think I'm an idiot. And and that's fine. I mean that you won't be the first or the last. And you know I proved that I'm an idiot on a, on multiple occasions. But I will tell you, there is nothing, there is nothing, that brings people together, like football. I mean, it is. This is, this is such a big part of us healing and coming together. And the NFL understands their responsibility in helping. America basically mend. I, I don't think you're being overly dramatic or Pollyannish. Just just think about how life changes, your life changes, how your your community changes on a Saturday, a college football Saturday or an NFL Sunday. I, I Compare told, it to every right. other Saturday and Sunday during the year, and the differences are it's, stark, right. shocking. And and then, you know, at the summit they they roll out they roll out all these statistics about families being together and what football, how football brings people together and how dudes versus ladies celebrate it. And you know how it's, Hey man, sometimes it's the only time we get together and have a meal. Like, like it's it Mm -hmm. like they get through all this stuff and you're like, wow. You know, when you, when you talk about it that way and I always go back to the Super Bowl between San Francisco and Kansas city, I was there in Miami I went for Fox to entertain, you know, some of the big spenders, some of the big ad agencies, some of the big companies, right? So we're there. We're in this Kansas City section. And when San Francisco's winning in the fourth quarter and they're up 10 points with six minutes, six and a half minutes or whatever, I am just busting the onions of the dudes in my, you know, a bunch of 30-year-old guys. I've, I about got guys crying, you know, because <laughs> you know me. I'm a good loser, but I'm a really bad winner, and I am just giving it to them. And then all of a sudden, Kansas City starts coming back, right? And they and then they pour on 21 points or whatever it was in the last six and a half, seven minutes. And all these guys that I am just on are all turning around in their seats, just on. I mean, it's just on me the whole section, right? And we laughed, and we, I mean, we were like high fiving and, and like essentially almost exchanging numbers. Hit me up on Twitter. Ah, it was great meeting you. <laughs> you know, we had a blast. But there was that sense of community. If football brought us together, even though we were rooting for different interests, it brought us together. And the NFL understands the value and, and what the NFL means to the fan base. And so that's that to me is is kind of why they're doing it. I mean, I, I okay. Kind of as long we'll as it. as if it look, if it's as something as blatant as I'm getting right up in your face and I'm taunting you, pointing a finger at you, right? Fine, okay. But if you know, um, 
Jerry Judy, you know, runs one in from 60 yards out at home and runs into the end zone and the crowd is going crazy and he takes that moment to do a backflip and a little dance. That's not taunting. Okay. Because that taunting. has been called before. But if as he's taunting. Okay, but That's if he's running celebrating down the sidelines for 60 yards yeah. and he turns the DB's chasing him, he sticks the ball in his face okay. and goes up yours. All right. Fine. Like, that's going to get called. Okay, that's fine. Okay. But if he's just celebrating with and and, and it's a, and, and that's and, what and they it's want. an act of individual mm-hmm. joy, celebration, right. celebrating with the fans, fine. Don't throw a flag right. for that. No, no, no. That's what they want. They want you to okay. celebrate with the fans. They I want you to do a dance. They want you to pl- celebrate with your teammates. They just don't want you to stick your finger in the finger in the uh in the face of um they the, don't want you to stick your finger in the face of the opponent, which which I totally which I totally understand. A uh, couple other quick uh, little things here. Uh, how soon? How long before Justin Fields takes over for Andy Dalton in Chicago, and Mac Jones takes over for Cam Newton in New England? That always seems to be a debate every year. How long right. do you wait until you make the inevitable switch? Right. I, you know, Do you I, wait for the team doctor to nick your starting quarterback right, in the lungs? In the lungs, right. <laughs> and then and then you say, wow, this guy's a lot better than we thought. Um, uh, listen, if I think if either Mac Jones or Justin Fields lights it up in preseason, lights it up in practice, um, really understands, you know, really understands their role, how to manage the game, but still can make the big plays, the future is now. If there's still some things you're worried about, from a, a executing the offense, being able to call the offense, being able to protect yourself by changing protections, um, really understanding just the depth that uh, of knowledge that you have to have. I think that that then it becomes one of those situations where, hey, let's get into the regular season a little bit. Let's let him learn how to prepare for a game without having to actually get in the game. Let's do this. That like let's let's take that burden off of him early, and you know then when he comes in, if he does come in, say week four, week six, week seven, whatever it is, right now all of a sudden he's walking in as a savior, and we're still selling hope. So and but like, uh, hey, like Justin I said, Herbert ruined it for a lot of people, right? Really did. Yeah. Well, I mean that's that. I mean that guy was the he was exceptional. I mean he was. He was. It's just, yeah, he did ruin it for a lot of people. But I, I still think, you know, those are the outliers. This is still a developmental league, especially for the quarterback. And we tend to forget that Patrick Mahomes, who's now the unicorn of unicorns, sat for a year. Mm-hmm. He played the last game of the season, but he sat for a year before he was given the opportunity to, you know, to really – play so i mean brady sat for a year aaron Rodgers sat for three three years years. right so yeah those uh, yeah until until we see more evidence that that kind of goes down as an outlier yeah it it really does although you know now you're looking at it like well if he could do it now any anybody could do it so i it's just it's not the same for everybody and i think they did a great job of really simplifying what they were doing um, through formations, through personnel groupings, so you know where your one-on-ones are, 
You, you understand where you want to throw the ball based on the leverage of the DBs, based on single high, double high safety, all those different things. So I think they did a great job of coaching him up, and he did a great job of learning. Well, it. there is something about the excitement of a young quarterback in Los Angeles. They have sold 40,000 season tickets for the Chargers. I don't think they had 40,000 Charger fans when they were in San Diego. Right. No, they didn't. And they certainly didn't when they were in Carson because the it only sat like uh, like 28,000. Right. So, so, yeah. And most of them were, were fans of the other team. Everybody traveled out there to Carson to watch them play. Ah, the, the hope and promise of a young quarterback. Yeah, right? absolutely. Hey, uh, I hope you guys have a great one. Thanks to everybody for listening to the Stinking Truth Podcast. want to thank our uh, presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Superbook for all uh, for America's Best Bet, Superbook. Check them out at Superbook.com. For Mike, myself, for Ben, Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you.